Easter Bunny has uh, come, and uh, he's hopped off into uh, oblivion for another year. But uh, it is uh, sort of a funny kind of a holiday today. It is Easter Monday, and of course there was less traffic on the road, government offices closed, no mail, all this kind of stuff. But uh, belated happy uh, Easter to, uh, to everyone, and I hope you got your fill of uh, sweets and all that kind of stuff. My name's Gavin Walker, and of course, this is The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And we have a whole slew of music to play for you right to the wee small hours of the morning, right till uh, after midnight. But of course, we always start with our jazz feature. And we've been doing for the last month uh, jazz features on musicians that are... uh, or albums, um, artists that are less well-known, operating maybe under the radar, but still uh, excellent musicians, made significant contributions to the music and uh, all that kind of stuff, and for one reason or another, um, never got um, to be as famous as some other musicians, like, say, Chet Baker or Miles Davis or uh, Thelonious Monk or... Mingus, even Charles Mingus, even. Anyway, regardless of that, uh, tonight's jazz feature is no different, and we'll be doing continuing this right through the month of April as well. We have a whole slew of uh, uh, excellent jazz artists on our jazz feature um, for April, and these are musicians that are lesser known, and I'm sure you'll, many of you who have maybe never heard of them or never heard them will be more than pleasantly surprised. So that's what we're going to do. And this evening is no exception. Um, Most of the men in this band are well-known. And with the exception of one of the the co-leaders. And this is very interesting. This was a band that existed in uh, the year of 1957, uh, it was only in existence for about 10 months in that year, but they did manage to record two wonderful albums for Columbia Records, which was the biggest uh, label of its day, and uh, which was quite wonderful. And they also recorded for um, independent uh, jazz labels as well, uh, like Riverside Records and um, Jubilee Records and This album that we're going to hear this evening, which was actually recorded for a a jazz subsidiary of RCA Victor. Uh, The label was called Vic, V-I-K, and it was supposed to be the jazz side of RCA Victor. And what happened was that uh, uh, it was begun with uh, a bunch of good intentions. They recorded one of Charles Mingus's most famous albums, uh, they also recorded a great album with Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers and a few others. But uh, the executives of RCA Victor closed Vic down. And so none of these albums were actually, uh, I think with the exception of the Blakey album, which did come out in 1957, none of these albums were issued. The Mingus album, which of course was Tijuana Moods, was not heard by the world until 1962, which was like five years after it had been recorded. And um, 
uh, several other albums didn't come out. This album we're going to hear this evening was never issued in the United States. It was issued, uh, strangely enough, on French RCA for distribution in France, of course, and issued on Japanese RCA for distribution in Japan. So uh, the American audience was was not aware of, of even the existence of this album. It showed up in, in, in discographies and catalogs and so on. People started scratching their heads. As it turns out, in my mind, this is this band's finest album. And I'll tell you what this band was called. The band was called The Jazz Lab. That was the name of the band. And, of course, that conjures up images of uh, experimental jazz and test tubes and, um, you know, some <laughs> bunch of musicians in lab costumes uh, uh, playing uh, uh, esoteric, uh, far-out music uh, that nobody wants to hear. No, no, not that at all. The Jazz Lab was merely a name of a very straight-ahead uh, and very wonderful little band within the jazz tradition, uh, led by trumpeter Donald Byrd, and the gentleman who is much more obscure, Gigi Grice, alto saxophonist. So these two gentlemen uh, led this band, and they performed with different rhythm sections over their existence. Um, in the case of this album, and one of the reasons why I think this is the best of all the albums they did was the superb rhythm section. One of the greatest modern jazz piano players of all, the elegant and wonderful from Detroit, Hank Jones, the eldest member of the famous Jones family. And on bass, uh, taking a little vacation from Miles Davis's band, Paul Chambers. Of course, he was the leading and most, most, one of the most highly employed bassists um, in the mid-50s, early 60s. He was on so many record dates, even though he worked regularly with Miles. And on drums, someone, again, who was ubiquitous and recorded so much during those years, Arthur Taylor, the great New York drummer on, on drums, of course. Um, a little bit about Gigi Grice and very interesting life. Uh, those of you that are interested in Gigi Grice would do very well to go to the library or go to one of the major bookstores and try and find a book called The Rat Race Blues. That is the story as much as can be told of the life of Gigi Grice. Gigi Grice was an extremely important and influential musician in the 1950s, and he was a pioneer in many ways. Um, he was a wonderful alto saxophonist with a very kind of a small, pure, uh, and very even sound. Uh, he was, of course, influenced by Charlie Parker, but he had his own way of playing, and he may not have had the played with the drama and excitement of somebody like Phil Woods or Jackie McLean, but Gigi was uh, a very, very original alto saxophonist and uh, had his own thing going. And uh, I remember um, chatting with Corey Weeds one night. We were uh, listening to... Um, Vancouver's Campbell Riga. And Corey says, you know who Campbell reminds me of? Gigi Grice. And I said, come on. 
I said, I know Campbell very well. And I said, I know he, uh, Gigi Grice isn't on his high, uh, you know, isn't someone who uh, I think has influenced him at all. I think it's more coincidence than anything else. And, of course, later on, um, I was having a drink with Campbell, and I, 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 I asked him this, and he said, no, I haven't listened to Gigi Grice hardly at all. But I, he said, what I have heard, I've enjoyed. But I, he said, in terms of being an influence, he said, I don't think so. Um, but I would have to listen to him more, maybe. Uh, so maybe I shouldn't because I might, I might become too influenced by him. So I'm quoting Campbell's words, so I, we had a laugh about that. But anyway, um, that's another side. Gigi Grice was a, a, a most interesting man in terms of um, he uh, was a bit of a pioneer in the fact that he wanted to own his music. Now, most musicians, when they recorded for minor labels, major labels, and so on, they were almost forced to uh, publish their music with the record company's publishing firm. So therefore, uh, if someone else wanted to record their tunes, they would, uh, sure, the, the, the man who wrote the tune would get some royalties, but he would have to split them with whatever record company he published the, his, his music with. Gigi Grice didn't want to do this. He said, no, this is exploitation. This music is mine, and I'm going to publish it myself. And he did something that, that most, especially most African-American musicians, because so many of them were ripped off, he did something that uh, most African-American musicians didn't do. He formed his own publishing firm and encouraged other musicians to publish their music with him. Uh, so that they could uh, have a, a force of their own. This was a, a bit of a pioneer effort, and um, uh, he suffered for this uh, as well later on uh, and was ostracized uh, because of this move. This was just too bold for society at the time, especially an African-American musician. Gigi Grice was um, very different from his... Uh, uh, people that he grew up with. Gigi was, um, never drank. Uh, he never used any kind of a drug and never smoked cigarettes. Uh, Gigi was, um, also a very, very devout Muslim. He converted to Islam, uh, back in the early fifties. We'll get to that in a minute. His real name, his birth name was George General Grice, which of course is, the initials are G-G, so it got shortened to Gigi, and uh, that became his, uh, his, his, best, his, his name. He was born in Pensacola, Florida, November 28, 1925, and died uh, in that city. He returned to that city after becoming ill um, to his hometown, died March 14, uh, 1983. The interesting thing about Mr. Grice, he was so prominent as a composer, um, as a saxophonist, as an arranger, and as a mover and shaker in jazz, that all of a sudden in 1961, he recorded his last albums and completely dropped out of the scene. Now, we don't know all the reasons why. The book, as I mentioned, The Rat Race Blues, tries to find out. Some people say he was persecuted by the mafia, uh, other people say that he simply got discouraged with trying to play good music in, in, uh, for a society that didn't care about good music. 
um, all that kind of stuff, but he completely abandoned music. He gave up playing the saxophone and gave up everything to do with music. And he changed his name. Gigi um, decided uh, at that time to revert to his Muslim name, which is Bashir Quism. So he became literally, uh, and that was part of the of of his move to divorce himself completely from the music scene. He had several degrees in college and um, applied and got a job teaching, and that's what he did for the remainder of his life. For the last twenty years of his life, he uh, was was teaching. He was teaching music and life skills and all kinds of other subjects at a school in uh, inner city New York in, in Harlem. And he was such a good teacher, he was well liked by everybody and so respected that they named the school after him. So to this day, there is a school there called Bashir Quism uh, Elementary School. And that's an honor for him, there's a plaque and, and of course his birth name up there too so that people look at the plaque and realize that's Gigi Grice, that's, that's, the, that's the jazz musician. Anyway, what happened was that he um, uh, fell ill. Uh, he had a, a mild heart attack which, which was much more severe than he thought it was and, and he retired from teaching and moved back to Pensacola, Florida uh, with his family to kind of recover, he, and he never did, and, and passed away. Um, but his life was a very, very interesting man. That's a little bit of uh, background on Gigi Grice, and he should be much better known for his musical contributions. Um, this album um, is just one of them, and we'll get to it right now. We're going to hear the Jazz Lab, as I mentioned before, the two co-leaders, the great Donald Byrd on trumpet, who was really emerging as a major voice of the of modern jazz trumpet. In the 50s, we had Donald Byrd, we had, and we had young Lee Morgan uh, coming out. Uh, Clifford Brown, unfortunately, was killed in that car crash, and Donald Byrd and Lee Morgan became the two um, real leading trumpet players in New York. There were others, too, of course, but uh, these guys were kind of the shining lights. And Donald Byrd was, um, at the time of this recording, was pursuing his doctorate. And uh, he, he did get it and became, in later years, known as Dr. Donald Byrd. And uh, a marvelous musician. Uh, went on to pioneer uh, jazz funk, formed a band called the Blackbirds later on, and continued to play jazz and so on. A great, great musician, Donald Byrd. So he's on here just emerging and really sounding great. The co-leader, of course, is uh, the person I've been talking about for so long here, Gigi Grice on alto saxophone. Hank Jones, again, on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and Arthur Taylor on drums. And all of these tracks were recorded over um, a couple of nights in the latter part of July of 1957. And we're going to get to the music. Gigi Grice actually published tunes under three names. <laughs> his own name, Gigi Grice, the name of his wife, who, whose name was Lee, Lee Sears. Occasionally he published tunes under her name, but he wrote them anyway. You know, it was just a, a matter of getting around some bureaucracy. And he also published some tunes under his Muslim name, Bashir Quism, um, 
whatever reason he did that, I, I have no idea. Probably legalities of the uh, of the stuff. Anyhow, the first tune is written by Gigi Grice and is called Exhibit A, and it's a great. Uh, it sets up an atmosphere. It sounds like a bunch of car horns in a big city, and so on and so forth. And then then we get to the melody of the tune. It's, it's great, Exhibit A, and then the second tune is a wonderful thing by Hank Jones, um, sometimes known as Jones Bones, but it's a, it's a blues, and it's called Ergo, the blues. And tune number three is my favorite Gigi Grice composition. It's called Capri. And then the tune number four was written by um, a gentleman who occasionally played in the jazz lab, great musician, great piano player by the name of Ray Bryant, and he wrote a tune called Splittin'. And then another Hank Jones composition after that, tune number five, is called Passade. And then uh, tune number six, the final tune of the set, um, was actually written by Barry Harris, piano player from Detroit, and, and originally titled High Step. And for some reason, um, Donald Byrd, um, I think he changed a few notes in the tune and, and kind of appropriated the tune and called it Bird in Hand. So um, whatever. But though, those of you older listeners may know this tune as High Step, and that's the last um, tune of the set. So there we have it. That's the jazz feature this evening. So sit back and enjoy the great sounds of the Jazz Lab. Donald Bird and Gigi Grice.
Our jazz feature tonight, the band referred to and named The Jazz Lab. And this is from an album that uh, mysteriously was recorded in New York for RCA Victor, but only released by Victor in Japan and France. And so for many, many years, no one knew of the existence of this album. (laughs) And uh, it was listed in the uh, jazz discographies, but uh, no one could ever find it in the the U.S. uh, or Canada, for that matter. Anyhow, it's uh, it's come to light, and I believe, um, in my opinion, this is their finest uh, album that we just listened to. It's called New Formulas from the Jazz Lab. And the people involved here, of course, are the co-leaders, trumpeter Donald Byrd, who was one of the finest uh, young trumpeters of his generation. Um, He emerged, of course. uh, He was from Detroit and uh, emerged on the New York scene in the 50s and became one of the most uh, recorded trumpet players. And uh, his career spanned uh, many, many years, right into the 60s and into the 70s. and uh, he became an educator, uh, jazz trumpeter, and uh, led a jazz funk band, one of the first ones around that combined the two disciplines called the Blackbirds. And so uh, Dr. Donald Byrd just passed away uh, a few years ago. The more obscure person and part of our um, mission this month on the jazz features and next month, too, to present musicians um that uh, are either forgotten, as this gentleman has undeservedly, or just operated under the radar. And a lot of people don't know about about uh, um, many of these people. And the co-leader is someone who is in that position, perhaps sadly even forgotten and shouldn't be. His name, Gigi Grice, and a very, very fine alto saxophonist. He was a composer, educator, and... Um, very, very interesting um, man, and um, I mentioned him at the at the top of the show. He was one of that particular jazz generation that uh, never smoked, drank. Um, he was uh, um, his best friend was uh, trumpeter Clifford Brown, and 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 Clifford was that way too, proving, of course, that you could become a major jazz musician without having to be a boozer or a doper or anything like that. Gigi Grice was, uh, was a prime example of that. And there, there, are, there were many as well. A lot of them are not publicized, but uh, musicians like Horace Silver and Lou Donaldson and, and many, many more um, played great music and lived the straight life. All right. So Gigi Grice and Donald Byrd, the co-leaders of this fine little band, and this, I think, the best rhythm section they assembled. Uh, over over the year, um, the band was together only in 1957 for about 10 months, and then uh, Bird and Grice went their separate ways. But uh, this was one of the better, or perhaps the best, rhythm section that they assembled. And I'm talking about Hank Jones on piano, who is just delightful, and Paul Chambers on bass, who was taking a little break from Miles Davis's band, and of course one of the most widely recorded drummers, New Yorker Arthur Taylor. And the pieces we heard on this album, which was uh, recorded uh, at the tail end of July of 1957 uh, in New York, and the the tunes we heard were, uh, we began with Gigi Grice's composition called Exhibit A. 
Then we went to a Hank Jones composition called Ergo, the Blues. And then tune number three was Gigi Grice's, uh, my favorite Gigi Grice tune, so lyrical and fun, uh, a tune called Capri. Uh, And uh, the tune number four was written by a friend of the band who occasionally did play with this band as well, great piano player from Philadelphia. Ray Bryant wrote the tune called Splittin', that's tune number four. Uh, Tune number five was written by, again, by Hank Jones and called Passade. And the final tune was actually written by Detroit pianist Barry Harris, but Donald Byrd changed a few notes in the tune and retitled it under his name and called it Bird in Hand. So that's the tunes from this album, New Formulas from the Jazz Lab. And, of course, if you want to read more about Gigi Grice and his incredibly interesting life, Um, A very good suggestion would be to go to the library or uh, actually go to, um, you could probably order it from one of the big bookstores, uh, a book called The Rat Race Blues. And it's the most comprehensive biography of Gigi Grice and really spells out everything in his life and solves some of the mysteries of why he completely dropped out of music. in about 1961, and for the last 20 years of his life, uh, was a school teacher. And um, there you go. It's a very interesting life, and uh, those of you that are interested enough in it, check it out, the Rat Race Blues. That was our jazz feature this evening. And just like to remind you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and we have coming up a bit of a change of pace. A couple of tunes from this band that I played a couple of weeks ago. I have a, a very, very good friend of mine in this band. He's very proud of it as well. And um, he sent me this album. It's called Groove Legacy. The band is Los Angeles-based. And what it is, it goes back to the, the real quality jazz fusion days as uh, fusion sort of deteriorated into kind of uh, elevator music. But it began really as an artistic uh, endeavor. Um, Miles Davis uh, was really responsible uh, for the onset of jazz fusion with, uh, with the album Bitches Brew. And then it, uh, it led to offshoots like, of course, one of the most important bands that endured all through the 70s was Weather Report. And the quality of their music was extremely high. And then we had the Mahavishnu Orchestra under John McLaughlin. We had Chick Corea's Return to Forever, we had the 11th House with Larry Coryell, um, Tony Williams' Lifetime. Um, uh, the Mothers of Invention did a lot of uh, jazz kind of stuff. So uh, Groove Legacy kind of um, reflects that, but really reflects the sounds of the Crusaders, formerly the Jazz Crusaders. And in the early 70s, they dropped the word jazz because they broadened their music and called themselves simply the Crusaders. And this band is, is kind of, um, that's what it is. It, it, it represents uh, the quality 
and um, the high level of musicianship that existed in all of these bands. So we're going to hear a couple of tunes. And my good friend Polly Serra uh, is the co-composer of these both these tunes, and he plays the tenor saxophone in the band. And he's one heck of a musician. Uh, he, he works currently with uh, the great blues rock guitarist Joe Bonamassa. But uh, Polly is very proud of this band, too, and had a big part of uh, putting this whole uh, group together. So this tune, uh, written by tenor saxophonist Polly Serra, the, uh, the people in the band, Andrew Lippman on trombone, Travis Carlton on bass, um, the co-composer of these tunes, Bill Steinway on uh, Fender Rhodes piano, and Lamar Carter on drums, and Tim Curell on percussion. And we're going to hear a tune called Money Bags, uh, written by Bill Steinway and Polly Sarah. And we're going to move then to a tune called 47 Degree Angle, written by both these guys. And uh, two tunes from this album called Groove Legacy. And uh, it's a great album. Check it out.
We heard three tunes from a band, a Los Angeles band called Groove Legacy. And uh, as I mentioned before, they go back to the sound of the West Coast bass band, the Crusaders, and um, a lot of other, they pay homage really to uh, uh, the time when jazz fusion was uh, uh, on a very high level. And uh, a lot of bands like Weather Report and Return to Forever and so on and so forth uh, were really making waves uh, in the early 70s. And this band harkens back to that and keeps up the the high musical level established by these bands. And um, the band, the the pieces of music we heard were composed by um, Bill Steinway, who played Fender Rhodes piano, and my good friend Pauly Serra, who is uh, the tenor saxophonist in the band. And they are co-leaders of this band, very proud of it too, and uh, hoping that uh, the, the CD called simply Groove Legacy um, has been doing very, very well on the, uh, on the charts. And uh, people really seem to uh, like the sound and also uh, just the, the ability of this band to uh, do this music so well. So the compositions we heard, um, the first one was called Money Bags, and the second tune was called 47 Degree Angle, and the final tune was called The Know-It-All. And uh, all of these tunes, as I mentioned, were composed by um, Bill Steinway and Pauly Serra. And on the uh, final tune, The Know-It-All, the guest guitar player was the redoubtable Robin Ford. So there you go. And, uh, yeah, this very fine album is uh, available. You just uh, you can Google uh, Groove Legacy and find out the information. If you like this uh, style of music and uh, want to get this album, that's one way to, uh, one way to get it. Just Google uh, Groove Legacy, and um, I, I know that uh, you'll be able to find out a way to, uh, to purchase this, uh, this CD. All right, you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on the web, www.citr.ca. And we have a bunch of messages for you. We're going to come back with uh, some music, um, which was originally recorded for uh, 78 RPM records. So the tunes are short. We're going to hear three tunes by the gentleman that does our theme song. And... uh, these are these are great tunes. A very rare stuff. It was recorded. They were recorded for uh, Decca Records, uh, way back in the fifties. And I'll tell you more about them after uh, after we hear these messages, and uh, we get on with things. So, we'll be right back. Hey, why so sad? Oh, nothing really. <laughs> Not very convincing, Jane girl. Whatever it is, I've got just the cure for it. One, two, three, four. Did you know CITR has a women's collective? This brand new collective is all about providing and fostering a community for women who are or who want to be in radio, fighting the gender disparity in media, and centering women's voices and issues. If you are a female-identified person or ally who's already involved in radio or wants somewhere to start, this collective is for you. Email womenscollective at citr.ca for more information and to get involved. And tune in Friday at 6 p.m. for the collective show, Lady Radio. 
featuring music, interviews, events, news, commentary, basically anything we care to talk about. See you then. Well, how do you like it? There's only one word for it. Terrific. <laughs> you know, I'm so proud of it. It's almost indecent of me. The submissions form and all info is at civl.ca slash fvma. Benefits to winners include recording time, festival performance spots, industry consultations, feature media coverage, and much more. A compilation album of Fraser Valley music featuring a remix of a new song by You Say Party will be released in tandem with the FVMA Gala. To volunteer or sponsor, email fvma at civl.ca. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. got some very good news about the weather uh, for a change because it's going to be sunny basically all week and uh, it's going to be really nice. It's going to warm up and all that kind of stuff. So the, the individual nights and days, tonight it's clear, a little windy by the water, low down to four. And tomorrow, beautiful, low of four and highs between 12 and 15. Wednesday, sunny again, low of six, highs between 15 and 20. Yeah, that's getting somewhere. Thursday, Sunday, uh, sunny, (laughs) Sunday, Sunday, sunny Thursday. And a low of seven, uh, highs between 16 and 21. And Friday, sunny, low of eight. Highs between 17 and 21. And Saturday, increasing clouds with a low of 6 and a high of 15. And then Sunday, a little bit of a downturn, a mix of sun and cloud with just a 30% chance of a shower with a low of 7 and a high of 15. So um, it really looks good for the week. So enjoy it. Get out. Go for a walk. Go for a bike ride. Do all that kind of stuff. Uh, It'll be really nice. Back to some music now. This is um, these are some r- very rare performances that came out on Decca Records. They're very hard to find, and they were three-minute seventy-eight RPM records initially, and they're by the gentleman that does our theme song, and Benny Green is on trombone here, and uh, he also does a little vocalizing, and Billy Root who plays is uh, is also on our theme song. He plays uh, the second tenor saxophone solo from Philadelphia, a very fine player. 
um, Cliff Smalls on piano, Ike Isaacs on bass, and Jerry Siegel on drums. And all of this stuff was recorded in New York in April of 1954. And we're going to hear um, a bit of a hit for Benny Green. This, this one is called I Want to Blow. And then the second tune is uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein tune, popular tune of the day called People Will Say We're in Love. And the final tune is written by Leonard Feather's daughter, and it's called Rum Blues. So here are three tunes by the Benny Green Quintet. I want to blow now. Go ahead. 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 Blow.
Three tunes by the Benny Green Quintet. And, of course, Benny is the gentleman that uh, has for many, many years uh, done our theme song. And uh, here he is with a slightly earlier ensemble, recorded in 1954 in New York. Uh, Benny on trombone and doing a little bit of vocalizing. Uh, Billy Root on tenor saxophone. Cliff Smalls on piano, Ike Isaacs on bass, and Jerry Siegel on drums. And we heard three tunes. The first one was uh, Benny Green's tune called I Want to Blow, and the second tune was a nice version of Rodgers and Hammerstein's standard called People Will Say We're in Love. And the final tune was written by Leonard critic Leonard Feather's daughter, Jane, and called Rum Blues. Benny Green. All right, the legendary Benny Green, and one of my very, very favorite trombonists. And uh, these are rare tracks from um, a DECA recording uh, made back, way back when. And they were originally done for uh, 
they're all short. They were done for uh, 78 RPM, uh, three-minute uh, recordings. So the tunes are short, and they were fun to listen to. All right, Benny Green. We're going to celebrate the birthday right now of a gentleman who was born today in Detroit, and he is part of the famous Jones family. We have uh, the elder statesman, Hank Jones, uh, the pianist, and we have the young, the youngest one was uh, the great drummer, Elvin Jones. The middle brother was Thad Jones, Thaddeus Joseph Jones, and he played the trumpet, also the cornet, which is a smaller sharper-sounding trumpet, the same principles. And the point about Thad Jones is that he is recognized, of course, as a writer and a band leader because he led one of the greatest modern jazz big bands, which was the Thad Jones-Mel Lewis big band, and uh, did so much writing for that band. And, of course, he wrote for the Basie Band as well because he was part of Basie's organization for about 10 years. The point is that Thad Jones was a major stylist on the trumpet, and people seem to forget that when they they talk about Thad Jones, that he was really, really an innovator. He came along in the um, early 50s and uh, moved from Detroit to New York City and, of course, really made an impression. And one of his biggest fans and supporters was none other than Charles Mingus. In about 1954-55, the whole world was talking about three trumpet players. The comeback of Miles Davis, uh, who began to make some of his pivotal recordings and uh, had uh, thrown off his drug habit and was back in force. The late, great trumpet sensation from Wilmington, Delaware, Clifford Brown was making such a huge impression. And a young man from the West Coast who was, uh, had James Dean-style good looks and was a marvelous trumpet player, his name, Chet Baker. All these guys were making waves in, in jazz and, and being talked about and winning uh, popularity polls and and getting gigs and so on. And Mingus shouted from the side. Um, He didn't really criticize any of of these musicians. Uh, How could he criticize Miles Davis or Chet Baker or or even even Clifford Brown? But he said, you know, all of these gentlemen uh, um, are... Basically, with the exception maybe of Miles, all these, all these gentlemen are kind of derivative of other trumpet players. And they're good, they're great, they're doing something, but my man is totally original, and his name is Thad Jones. And Mingus described him as a Bartok with valves. And if you understand that reference, uh, that was a very, very high compliment from, uh, from Charles Mingus. Mingus was a huge Thad Jones booster and uh, said that he should have got all the, all the accolades and glory. But what happened to Thad Jones was, was that he was hired by Count Basie, 
and and he was essentially uh, became a part of the Basie organization and and didn't uh, he did some independent recordings but um, he didn't do uh, he wasn't on the on the uh, on the small group scene because he was gainfully employed in Basie's band and he wasn't going to quit that gig because that was not only uh, high paying a steady gig and of course it's Count Basie's band you going to quit that gig you know you're not so. Um, Consequently, Thad Jones didn't get the attention as a trumpet player as he should have. And uh, I'm going to remedy that this evening because I think I agree entirely with Charles Mingus and his assessment of Thad Jones. And I'm going to prove it to you by playing some of Thad's music for you. We're going to begin chronologically. We're going to go back to 1955. And this is a session with Charles Mingus um, featuring Thad Jones. And Mingus issued it on his label that he co-owned with drummer Max Roach, who was also on here, on his debut label. And this is uh, part of the album called The Fabulous Thad Jones. And this is a quartet date. So Thad is on trumpet with the legendary, and uh, he didn't record very much, sort of great piano player. He was from Philadelphia. His name was John Dennis, very, very fine pianist. Charles Mingus on bass and the great Max Roach on drums. And we're going to hear, um, actually, we're going to hear th- three tunes from this date. And um, the only thing that I don't really care for uh, about Thad Jones is the sound he gets uh, when he puts a mute in his trumpet. Somehow uh, that sound doesn't really appeal to me. And he does it on the first tune here, but then he takes the mute off and solos with the open horn, and you get an idea of of his magnificence. So the first tune is uh, a real virtuoso piece, and it's called Get Out of Town, and it was written by Cole Porter, a very, very tough tune to improvise on. The second tune is a delightful Thad Jones composition called One More, and it's it's an up-tempo blues. And the third composition is another Thad Jones composition, This sort of has a Latin feel, and it's called More of the Same. So here then, three tunes from this great album, the fabulous Thad Jones. And we begin with Get Out of Town. Thank you. 
We're paying tribute to Thaddeus Joseph Jones, Thad Jones, who was born on this day in Detroit, Michigan in 1923 and died in Copenhagen at age 63 in August of 1986. And um, in Copenhagen, he was so honored over there uh, that they have a street named after him in, in Copenhagen, which is a great honor. And uh, he was such a respected musician, not only for his band-leading abilities, his writing abilities, but, as I mentioned before, um, sometimes forgotten in dealing with Thad Jones is his ability to play the trumpet. He was an incredibly original stylist and an and a phenomenal trumpet player, as you heard on these tracks recorded back in 1955 with one of his greatest supporters uh, who uh, wrote letters uh, supporting Thad and uh, trying to tell the world that uh, this was a, a highly original trumpet player. People should listen to him and open their ears and so on and so forth. Charles Mingus, and he was a, a huge, as I said, supporter of Thad Jones. Uh, he's heard here on these tracks, along with the obscure and wonderful Philadelphia pianist uh, John Dennis, and on drums, Max Roach. And, of course, all of these tunes were issued on Mingus's own record label that he owned with Max Roach, Debut Records, and it came out on an album called The Fabulous Thad Jones. We heard three tunes from here. Uh, we heard opening up was Cole Porter's Get Out of Town, and then we heard two Thad Jones originals um, with very simple titles. The second one was a fast blues called One More. And the final tune 
was the Latin-flavored thing called More of the Same. Two delightful compositions by Thad Jones and played on the trumpet. Thad uh, soon switched to uh, the cornet, which is a smaller and sharper-sounding version of the trumpet. Uh, Nat Adderley, of course, made uh, huge strides on that instrument, and other, other trumpet players adopted the cornet as well. Uh, but Thad, once he um, developed um, his chops on that instrument, that's what he played for the rest of his life, was the, uh, was the cornet. And we're going to hear him on this recording. This is some of my favorite Thad Jones. And I know for a fact that had Thad Jones not worked with the Count Basie band and been gainfully employed, Thelonious Monk would have loved to have Thad Jones added to his quartet to make it a quintet. Um, It never happened, but it did happen on this particular record date uh, that Monk did for Riverside. So this is basically Monk's working quartet, and he got his wish for this record. He was able to add Thad Jones on, on cornet. And to this day, this is some of my favorite Thad Jones work. He is so powerful on this recording, and he would have been a perfect addition um, had Thelonious Monk chosen to work with a a quintet with trumpet and tenor saxophone on the front line. Thad was his, at the time, Monk had a few favorite trumpet players. He liked uh, Idris Suleiman. He loved uh, Ray Copeland. He loved a sharp, uh, uh, edgy-sounding trumpeter. Thad Jones really fit the bill, and he understood somehow intuitively, even though he hadn't played with uh, a long time with Monk, he seemed to understand Monk's music really, really well, as you'll hear on these two tunes that we're going to play from this album called Five by Monk by Five. Um, Thelonious Monk on piano, Thad Jones on cornet, Charlie Rouse, of course, on tenor saxophone, the great Sam Jones on bass, and Arthur Taylor on drums. We're going to hear two tunes by Monk. The first tune is dedicated to his cousin Jackie, and the tune is called Jackieing, and it was a brand new composition uh, for this recording. This is the first recorded version of this tune. It's very tricky, and Thad Jones makes the most of it. Uh, the second tune we're going to hear is a Monk uh, goes back a few years uh, before this recording, which was done in 1959, uh, a tune called I Mean You. And Thad takes two solos on this, and the second solo is an incredible gem and a masterpiece of thematic improvisation. In other words, when I, when I, meet, when, when I say that, I mean that it has a beginning Uh, a middle, a climax, and an end. It's such a beautiful, the second solo on on our second tune, I Mean You. Anyway, here is Thelonious Monk from this great album, Five by Monk by Five. We begin with Jackie.
That, of course, was the music of the one and only Thelonious Monk. And we heard uh, the Thelonious Monk Quintet. Thad Jones was added uh, to Monk's regular quartet. And, of course, uh, in my estimation, he stole the show. Monk actually wanted Thad Jones to join his band, but Thad wasn't about to uh, uh, give up playing with the Basie Orchestra. Full-time, steady job, uh, good money, all that kind of stuff to uh, to work with Monk, who who only um, who did work a lot, but uh, much more sporadically. So Thad couldn't uh, uh, give up that position, but um, he certainly fit in with Monk's quartet on this uh, once-in-a-lifetime record that was done for Riverside, and it was called Five by Monk by Five. And we heard Thad on cornet, of course, Charlie Rouse on tenor saxophone, Sam Jones on bass, and Arthur Taylor on drums, and, of course, Mr. Monk on piano. Two compositions by Thelonious. We opened with one that was brand new. Uh, The musicians uh, obviously got it down cold, and it's a tune called Jackieing, and it was written by uh, for Monk for his cousin Jackie. And the second tune was an older Monk composition called I Mean You, and it featured uh, those great um, cornet solos by Thad, especially the second one. Uh, unbelievably uh, beautiful uh, thematic uh, solo. And it showed the creativity of, of Thad Jones and his um, musicality in that he was he could adapt so well to uh, Thelonious's music. We're going to hear one more as a tribute to Thad Jones. This is from a later date uh, in 1977, and it was recorded at the Airliner Lounge in Miami, and it featured the Thad Jones Mel Lewis Quartet, and uh, they got this this gig, um, and it wasn't for the big band. They wanted to, uh, to hear Thad uh, play, and... Um, so and of course drummer Mel Lewis, and um, it's just quite a wonderful uh, uh, set. We're going to hear two tunes. Um, we're going to hear uh, Thad play "Autumn Leaves," and then the final tune is a short version, uh, up-tempo thing of Cole Porter's "What Is This Thing Called Love?" And uh, we're going to hear Thad, of course, on cornet, Mel Lewis on drums, Rufus Reed on bass and Harold Danko on piano. And this was all recorded in September of 1977, uh, as I said, in Florida at the Airliner Lounge. So here then is the quartet, and we hear Autumn Leaves. Check out Thad on this one. Thank you. 
We heard, of course, our tribute to Thad Jones, and we concluded with this set that was recorded at the Airliner Lounge in Miami, Florida, on September 24, 1977, and it was the Thad Jones Mel Lewis Quartet with, of course, uh, Thad on cornet and Mel Lewis on drums, along with Harold Danko on piano and the great Rufus Reed on bass. And we heard two tunes, Autumn Leaves and the closing tune, uh, Cole Porter's What Is This Thing Called Love? And, of course, we heard the voice right at the very end of Thad Jones introducing the band and uh, getting all the deserving applause that uh, they got for that set. So that's our tribute to the great trumpeter who was born Um, on March 28, 1923, in Detroit, Michigan. And as I mentioned before, the reason I I did this is that his trumpet playing is often um, kind of pushed to one side uh, because of his band-leading abilities, because he led the big band, the Thad Jones, Mel Lewis uh, big band, which was one of the finest uh, modern jazz big bands in jazz history. And, of course, Thad... um, also was a, a great arranger and composer, so he's known more for his uh, compositions and his arranging ability than he is for his playing. And so I thought I'd, uh, uh, you know, rev- remedy this and say, you know, Thad <laughs> Jones was one of the most distinctive trumpet players in the history of modern jazz. So there you go. And he's from the um, elite Jones family from Detroit, uh, Hank Jones, the eldest brother, of course, the great pianist, and Thad was the middle brother, and of course the youngest was drummer Elvin Jones. And uh, they were all raised in Detroit and cut their teeth there and went on to great 
fame uh, and their contributions to the jazz world will not be forgotten. Thad Jones. All right, you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and we'll be right back. There's a couple of messages that uh, you should hear. Here's one of them. Do you like Friends? Well, we like you, so become a member and get a Friends of CITR card. Not only does it make you special, but it gets you all kinds of deals with our friends at UBC and the West Side, like Australia Boot Company, Dentry's Pub, The Bike Kitchen, Limelight Video, and more. Visit CITR.ca for more or come check us out in the next. Offering the opportunity to learn about film and cultural perspectives from around the world, Real to Real Festival includes international family-friendly films and hands-on workshops. Running from April 8th to 15th, R2R has films, activities, behind the scenes, and more. Don't miss Sunday Fun Day. Spend the day watching and making animation. R2R is sure to delight, move, and amaze audiences of all ages. Check out r2rfestival.org for all the information. Passionate, playful, and provocative storytelling. Theater at UBC's upcoming show, The Arabian Nights, by acclaimed playwright Mary Zimmerman, is being directed by Evan Frame and running from March 17th to April 2nd at the Frederick Wood Theater. The narrative centers around Scheherazade's tales told to King Shariar in hopes that she may live another night. Or 1,001 nights. <laughs> All right, we're going to uh, go, go back to uh, a classic recording. And uh, this was done for a small New York label in the mid-40s. And, of course, jazz, was, jazz music in the mid-40s was changing because people like Charlie Parker, Dexter Gordon, uh, Dizzy Gillespie, and several other modern musicians were uh, rising to the fore. They had come out of uh, big bands, and, and um, they were exerting their, um, their new musical styles. And there, were some, uh, there was quite a bit of opposition to, to these musicians, too, at, at the time. Um, several very, very prominent musicians um, called them uh, charlatans and, and uh, destroyers of jazz and all this kind of stuff. But there were other musicians from an earlier era that eagerly embraced these younger musicians and brought them in. And uh, there were several fine, fine recordings made with... Um, uh, modern musicians and and essentially musicians from a an earlier era from the swing era. This is one of them, and a very open-minded uh, pianist by the name of Sir Charles Thompson led this session. Sir Charles is still alive today. He's 98 years old, and he performs occasionally, and he was one of the more open-minded of um, the more swing-oriented uh, traditional musicians. And, and he loved the modern guys. He loved Charlie Parker and Dizzy and, and, and Dexter Gordon and all the modern musicians that were coming in on the scene. So on this particular recording session, Sir Charles Thompson was the leader. And it, this was done in New York, September 4th, 1945. We're going to hear the four tunes that they recorded. And the people involved here, Charlie Parker on alto saxophone, who is just in gorgeous form on here, and a young Dexter Gordon 
who had just moved to New York. Um, uh, he was part of the Billy Eckstein Orchestra, and of course he was making his mark as a, as a soloist um, on the scene, and he was still a very young man, Dexter Gordon on tenor saxophone. And the older musicians included Buck Clayton on trumpet, of course, who was a veteran of the Basie Band, Danny Barker, very fine rhythm guitar player, uh, a journeyman bass player by the name of Jimmy Butts, and a really fine drummer, John Charles Hurd, J.C. Hurd on drums, and, of course, Sir Charles Thompson at the piano. Sir Charles, of course, was not only a fine pianist, but he wrote some great tunes, and he did all the arrangements of all these tunes on here, and three of them are Sir Charles Thompson compositions. The first one is called Taken Off. The second one is a standard tune uh, that kind of features Dexter Gordon. It's the only tune that Charlie Parker does not solo on, and the tune is an old ballad called If I Had You. Um, then the final two tunes were written by Sir Charles Thompson. 20th Century Blues is tune number three, and the final tune, I think, should be familiar to some of you out there, um, and it's called The Street Beat. And the street they were referring to is, of course, the great 52nd Street in New York City, which was just full of jazz clubs uh, at one time. It was just a, a great um, entertainment area, a real entertainment area. All right, so that's the final tune on the date. So I hope you enjoy this. We're going to hear the four tunes in their entirety led by Sir Charles Thompson and, of course, the star soloist here. Well, two star soloists are the two young guys, Charlie Parker and Dexter Gordon, on alto and tenor saxophones, respectively. Here we go with Taken Off.
<laughs> yeah, the street beat. Four tunes uh, from this um, historic session done in New York City in 1945, September 4th to be exact. And there's even some photographs from this session. It's, it's great to see Charlie Parker and Dexter Gordon sitting in the um, saxophone as the saxophone section with uh, trumpeter Buck Clayton. But um, yeah, a combination of, of having these two young uh, upstarts, as some of the older musician call, uh, musicians called them, Charlie Parker on alto saxophone and Dexter Gordon, and um, some of the more open-minded uh, musicians from an earlier era uh, together, and uh, a great little session, four tunes, and all led by pianist Sir Charles Thompson, Charlie Parker, alto, uh, Dexter Gordon, tenor, uh, Buck Clayton, trumpet, uh, Danny Barker on guitar, Jimmy Butts on bass, and J.C. Hurd on drums. And um, Sir Charles Thompson wrote all of the tunes uh, except for one and arranged all of them uh, because he was, uh, his abilities as an arranger-composer were, uh, were quite formidable. The first tune was called Taken Off, and the second tune was the standard of the set. It's the only tune that Charlie Parker did not play on, and that's uh, an old ballad called If I Had You. And then tune number three was uh, Sir Charles Thompson's 20th Century Blues. And the final tune, of course, was the ever-familiar Street Beat, written by Sir Charles Thompson. Well, that's almost about it for the jazz show, this uh, Easter Monday edition. And of course, we're into Tuesday now. We're going to conclude with... Um, a thing by a big band led by bassist Ray Brown. There's all kinds of prominent people in this band, but the soloists you're going to hear are Nat Adderley on cornet and Brother Cannonball Adderley on alto saxophone. And, of course, this uh, big band all arranged by Ernie Wilkins. And um, Ray Brown, of course, is the leader, and he put together this uh, this very fine big band uh, in the... Um, rhythm section. <laughs> so I was trying to think of the word in the rhythm section. Tommy Flanagan on piano, uh, Ray Brown on bass, and O.C. Johnson on drums. And of course, uh, a slew of saxophones and trombones and trumpets making up a big band. All well-known musicians, too. So, here we go. We're going to end the show with Nat Adderley's great composition, one of his most familiar works, The Work Song.
Ending another edition in fine style. That was the work song written by Nat Adderley and played by Ray Brown and a big all-star band. And the solos on there were by, of course, Cannonball Adderley, Nat's brother, and Nat himself and Ray Brown on bass. And uh, that's from a great album, Ray Brown's All-Star Band featuring Cannonball Adderley. Work song. We'll be back in the month of April, on April 4th, with another edition of The Jazz Show. My name's Gavin Walker, and uh, we're very happy to have had you along this uh, evening and morning and so on and so forth. And we're in for a very sunny week, so really enjoy it. It's going to get warm and uh, really be nice. They're even uh, talking about uh, high UV indexes, too. <laughs> Good sign. So there you go. Thank you once again on behalf of The Jazz Show, myself, Gavin Walker, and, of course, CITR-FM 101.9 on your radio dial, broadcasting right out here on unceded Musqueam territory, right out here at UBC. We're also on the web, www.citr.ca, and we shall see you in seven days' time. Take care, and thank you. Good night.